Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. Today, I speak with Kate Brandt about her book, Hope for the Worst. Sounds interesting. I hate to say this. It's not a book that's in my wheelhouse just because, well, in all truth, I'm not into those type of books. But she does make it sound interesting, does make it sound like it's something that a lot of people will enjoy. I really think that she explains it very well and she kind of draws you into wanting to know more about her story, about her book, and go out and read her novel. It has some good reviews. It's freshly out, at least at the time of this recording, and which is March 14th. And yeah, I mean, with that being said, it's a romance recovery. It's building yourself back up women's book. And like I said, I'm not a women's literature type of person. Call me funny, but it's just who I am. But for those who are, this might be right up your wheelhouse. I encourage you to look into Kate, learn more about her. Go to authorblurb.com where you can find her information. And like I always say, the other authors who are there, the YouTube link, the Rumble, all the different places you can find the audio. I mean, there's a huge selection of places to go to be able to hear or listen to Kate and I talk and listen to the other authors and I talk. So with that being said, take the time, go to authorblurb.com, learn more about Kate and the other authors. Also, while you're there, leave me a message. Let me know what you think I'm doing, good, bad, who you want to hear. If you think I should reach out to a specific author, I'm always happy to have suggestions. And other than that, we're going to get right to the show. So thank you and have a good day. So I'm here with Kate Brandt. We're here to discuss her new book, or I don't know how new it is. It's a her premiere. Yeah. It's actually, I think, coming out on November 14th. It's out. Or it's out. It's out. You had a came out March seventh. Uh, yes. So it's out now. It's a new book, from what I understand, and it has good reviews on Amazon, from what I've read there. The description of it sounds quite interesting. And Kate, I appreciate you being here. I want to learn more about your book. Can you give a give a little bit of explanation about your book and tell us a bit about yourself as well? So thank you so much for having me, Eric. I really appreciate it. Uh, the book just came out last week on March 7th. Hope for the Worst is, if I had to describe it in one sentence, I would say it is a Me Too book in a Buddhist context. It is about a woman in her mid to late 20s who is living in New York City in the 1980s who falls in love with her Buddhist teacher and uh, is rejected by him. And she is grappling with uh, some of the ideas that come with Buddhism, for instance, about detachment. And uh, she is coming up against those ideals as her emotions are really kind of boiling up. And uh, this book is about how she finds her way out of that dilemma that she has. Um, so I would say this is a, really a women woman's book. Not that men right. like it, but it's really women really resonate with it and really you know like it. 
Right. That's kind of what I got from the little bit I've read about it. Almost a little bit of a romance as well there. There is some romance. Yes. It's about, it's, it's certainly about passion and being in love and what that does to your nervous system to (laughs) some extent. I would say that this book is also about depression and uh, about what are some ways that you can find your way out of depression. Um, So a little bit about me. Um, I am a literacy, adult literacy teacher. I work at the City University of New York. I've worked there since the late 1980s. And I love my work. Um, And I also love writing. Writing has been my hobby for, I would say, since about 1986. And I went to Sarah Lawrence uh, College, the MFA program there, to continue learning how to write. And uh, then I had the support of my writers group. And You know, writing is a very important part of my life. It's been very private. So this is an interesting experience for me to have kind of like my private life out in public. Um, I understand. Yeah, it's an autobiographical novel. So there's a lot drawn from my life. You know, they say about writers, write what you know. And I knew this experience very well. All right. So... With that being said, I was going to ask you how much of it actually is you inside the book because one thing is is a lot of first-time novels, I know like even fictional novels have a lot of the authors somewhere in the book right. or they're pulling from their own history to create something. Right. So did you build this off of like because she goes to, I think it says India or goes to Nepal and Tibet. Nepal, yes. So was this something you've done so you know the territory as well? Yes. So in 1986-87, I backpacked around the world with my boyfriend, who then Mm -hmm. became my husband, and now he's my (laughs) ex-husband. But we go back a long way. And um, I would say it was an incredibly mind-opening experience. Um, really seeing how the rest of the world lives. And I was, I just embraced it. I really loved it. And, um, you know, I had been studying Tibetan Buddhism, so I really wanted to get to Tibet. And I happened to go there at the most opportune time. Uh, The mid-1980s was this moment when China opened and, mm-hmm. um, you know, Tibetans had this moment of feeling more free under the Chinese government. Um, and they opened the, you were able to go in, you could go from Kathmandu all the way to Lhasa, you could go overland, which had not been open for many years since the Chinese invaded in 1959. So, um, It was a truly wonderful experience being in Tibet at that time. Tibetans were very happy to see Westerners. And uh, there was this feeling of uh, 
that Tibetans were going to be able to rebuild some of their temples that were destroyed during the Cultural Revolution and going to be able to practice their religion. Uh, as it turned out, that was just a moment. Um, and Tibet is still really, uh, you know, under occupation. Um, and Tibetans are some Tibetans are setting themselves on fire in protests. So it's still a very difficult and sad situation. But I happen to be there at this, you know, this one moment of opening. Um, All right. So what made you think of using a, I guess, when you were there, you went through with your boyfriend, then who became your husband. What made you write a story where a young girl ends up with an older man in a Buddhist kind of right. setting. Right. So um, actually, my boyfriend did not go to Tibet with me. I went alone. All right. Uh, so, um, you know, the the young girl and older man is based on my life. It's something that really happened. Um, and because of meeting this Buddhist teacher, who was teaching Tibetan Buddhism, you know, made me want to go to Tibet. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wanted there to be a journey in this book because, you know, it was a metaphor for really a whole kind of emotional journey that a person makes. And, um, you know, home and away, what happens when you go far away, you know, kind of like, you know, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, you know, what do you, what do you learn when you go on this journey and go far away? So right. I knew that there needed to be a journey in it. Sometimes when you go far away, you sort of learn things about yourself that you might not otherwise have learned. And uh, this is very much a book about yearning and questing and learning um, about yourself and about sort of how to live. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question completely. It kind of does. So let, let's start with this. If I, if I opened up your book to read, mm -hmm. where would it start off with? What is she? Because the main character, I think, in the description said the main character is Ellie. Yes. So where, where does Ellie start off with or does it even start off with Ellie? That's a great question starts off with Ellie. It's Ellie's story. She's the narrator. She is telling the story through letters to her teacher, Calvin, and diary entries. And uh, it's in, it starts off in New York City in the 1980s, mid-1980s, and most of the book takes place there. Um, so she it's it, the story starts when she realizes that she's been abandoned by her teacher who seduced her and now has abandoned her. And um, so it's really about, okay, what, what can she do? What is she gonna do now that she's alone and she's left with this problem, you know, of being alone and being in love and being pushed away? How is she gonna deal with this problem? So a lot of the book is about that struggle, about her trying to, you know, figure out how to live, first of all, figure out how to live with her pain, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> figuring out how to reconcile Buddhist ideas about detachment, 
and impermanence with how she really feels, which is she doesn't feel that way at all. She's not at peace with detachment. She's not at peace with impermanence at all. She's on fire. Um, so how is she going to resolve those two poles? Um, all right. And what made you decide to go with the Buddhist religion instead of, because in the 80s, there was Buddhism was becoming quite well known and popular. Mm -hmm. There was also other religions coming out during the 80s, from what I remember. And it was just an interesting time, to say the least. But you had several options to choose from. What made you decide Buddhism as as the main line of religion? Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, um, well, I was, you know, I was raised, so... When I was growing up, my parents were Christian. Mm -hmm. My mother would march us out the back door to church, and my father would stand outside the back door and say, God is dead. So there was a little bit of conflict there, a little bit of doubt coming in. Um, Unfortunately, you know, the church that we attended didn't really uh, speak to me about, you know, what I was looking for. I was really looking for answers about, you know, what is reality? Who are we? Uh, And, you know, what do we do with pain? So Buddhism for me, um, you know, and, you know, the age that I'm writing about is the 20s, when you're coming out into the world after college and you're learning about, okay, what is this new world that I'm in? Mm-hmm. You know, New York City in the 1980s, college is this very idealistic environment. And then you come into the city and, you know, you're going to get some entry level job that's probably going to be really, you know, not so fulfilling and right. not paying either. And um, so I was looking for answers. And um, you're right that Buddhism was starting to be popular in the 80s, but it wasn't nearly as popular as it is now. You know, right. mindfulness now everywhere you go. Um, but at that time, you know, it was it was still building. And um, for me, I just found a lot of answers there. And I think one of the reasons that it spoke to me so much is that the way it was taught to me, it was like, the teacher was pointing out things about the mind that I, once he said them, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, so one of the things he talked about was the mental tapes that we have. You know, when your thoughts go around and around about particular things, your family, someone you're angry at, what things are going, what is going on at work. And having that pointed out to me was really revelatory. It made me feel like, I could see my own mind more clearly. So that was very attractive to me. And I would say to the extent that Buddhism is about observing and understanding and studying your own mind, to me, that feels liberating. Although I would not say that I'm, you know, I'm not a great yogi, I'm not a great meditator, but even just the ideas really appealed to me. Right. So... There's a lot from the little I understand about Buddhism, because I do understand a, a fraction of it, but with it, it's also, I'm trying to figure out how how did the Buddhism religion play into the story, the, the story? because like I said, 
I do understand a little bit about it, mm-hmm. but does it really focus hard on, in your story? Do you focus really strongly on the Buddhism or is it a just a portion of the story? Well, it's threaded throughout. You could absolutely enjoy the story without understanding Buddhist concepts. It's not necessary. Um, one of the ideas at the heart of Buddhism is that there is not really a self that what we take to be ourselves is really just a sort of accident of different phenomena coming together. Now, that sounds extremely counterintuitive to just about everybody who hears it. You know, what do you mean I'm not a self? If a car is coming toward me, going to hit me, I'm not going to feel like I don't have a self. Um, However, there is a way that that does seem true to me. And you know, I really, the re- way that it plays into the story is this idea, this very idealistic and philosophical idea that she really kind of believes in versus, you know, herself is is just, you know, her brain is kind of screaming at her. You know, she's in a lot of emotional turmoil. And so um, I really wanted to bring those two things together and kind of show the conflict between those things and how is that going to be resolved? Um, does that answer your question? It does. So with that being said, also, where, I guess, where did she pick up the Buddhism in the story? Is it she's coming into it in the story or does she already have the Buddhist faith before the story starts? Yeah. So um, she the story starts when she's been rejected by her Buddhist teacher, but it does move backward mm-hmm. while it also moves forward. You know how it is. You move forward a little, then you move backward a little. So she's telling the story of uh, meeting this Buddhist teacher and attending lectures that he gives. So all of her understandings of Buddhism are coming from his lectures. All right. So, so um, yeah. All right. So, Literally, the story starts with her overseas in Tibet and basically writing in a journal. Because I do remember on the cover, it even says, dear journal, you're the last I would say this to. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kinda... actually at the end of the book. Oh, is it? Yeah. The beginning right. of the book is all about her trying to resolve this issue. Right. And. It's at the end of the book that she ends up in Tibet and she sort of finds some answers finally. All right. So she goes to Tibet on her own then. Yeah. Okay. I was under the impression she went to Tibet with the the teacher. So she met the teacher in New York. Yeah. And then she found that she needed to get away, go on a journey to find herself again. And... She believed in the Buddhist teachings and wanted to go to Tibet to learn more and to get that kind of understanding. Is that what I'm understanding? Uh, somewhat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in New York, um, as I said, the first three quarters of the book is in New York. So right. things are getting worse and worse and worse for her, right? Things are not going well at work. Um, and so eventually... She kind of 
gives up and says, okay, I will go to Tibet. But the reason she goes to Tibet is to get an object that her teacher wants her to get. So even though she's been rejected, she's still, this is a story about, you know, obsession and, Mm -hmm. you know, not a person who's not looking after her own interests, right? Who's really so willing to do anything for this person, even though he's rejected her. So that's how she ends up going to Tibet. She's, she's getting something. She's on a little bit of a mission for this teacher. All right. Now, here's a question for you. You keep saying that her job's not working well with her. So does her job play much into the story? Because it sounds like it kind of does. And if it does, what kind of job does she have? Like you said, fresh out of college, most likely something entry. Yeah. So she's a secretary at a nonprofit. And, you know, she's, you know, um, you know, it's, that sort of plays on the theme of dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. So if you know the story of the Buddha, you know, he had everything, right? He was a prince. He lived in a castle. He had a beautiful wife and a, and a, you know, a beautiful family. And he left. He said, this is not enough. This is not good enough. Because once he saw birth, old age, sickness, and death, he realized this, what this life I'm living is not what it really is. So, she has a job, you know, it's an okay job, but she's very dissatisfied. Um, not because she's ambitious, but because she thinks there must be more to life than this. That's definitely the feeling that she has. There. All right. So with that, how much of it does like um, other people play a role in the story, secondary characters and things like that? that come in and introduce to keep the story going, obviously. What are some of the other characters in the story that might get some people's attention or get their heartstrings? Well, um, I think it's Ellie herself who mostly gets people's heartstrings. But um, there's a co-worker named Celeste who's quite domineering, who's sort of trying to help her, but is also being very domineering at, at the same time. Uh, that's what can sometimes happen when you're depressed and, you know, you're looking for help and you'll accept help anywhere you get, anywhere you can get it, but it might not be the best help. Mm-hmm. So that's Celeste, her coworker. And then she has a friend named Cass who is very energetic and who also wants her to go to Tibet um, on this mission, actually wants her to go to Nepal on this mission that she has. Cass is a real companion for her and really kind of a foil because Cass is very, Cass is not depressed and she's very active and proactive in her life. Um, There is a Buddhist nun named Pema. She's a Westerner, but she's ordained as a Buddhist nun. She works at a, uh, she works at the East West bookstore. And so Ellie meets her and sort of turns to her as a kind of spiritual guide in the absence of her teacher being there as a spiritual guide for her. Um, And then the final character who's sort of important is Nina, who she meets in Nepal, who is the person who actually rescues her when she almost dies in Tibet. 
All right. As you can see, there are a lot of women at play here. Right. Uh, you know, in the beginning, there's a boyfriend named Seth who's um, who abandons her also. So um, this is female friendship is very important in this book. I was going to say, it does not that I'm thinking anything of it, but it doesn't really sound like it paints guys in a very positive picture of this. <laughs> but I do also understand in a relationship type of story where you're trying to build back up, mm. usually from a female's perspective, when you've been hurt, you don't really consider the male's to be a strong ally a lot of times, somebody that you depend on. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It's also that, you know, when you're depressed, you may not really be able to stick up for yourself in a relationship. You know, you may choose someone who maybe isn't going to be as good to you, and maybe they choose you because you're in a more helpless state. So here's, I'm curious on this one. So she has a boyfriend she breaks up with that's not a, at the beginning of the story that's or a, in, yeah, at the story. beginning of everything. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of a catalyst that leads her to the teacher then? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's right. like, what the hell? You know, I've been, I've been abandoned, so I might as well, you know, enter into this affair, which later turns out to be fairly disastrous for her. I understand. Now, the teacher, when you say age difference, mm -hmm. how much difference of the age was it? Because you, difference, I would say about 30 to 35 years. Very long a, difference. A difference age? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was be in his 50s. She yeah. would be in her 20s. Okay. So how did she actually, does it discuss in the book how they actually enter? get introduced to each other or does she does she take the initiative or how's that come about so she uh walked she sees a sign for a lecture that he's giving in the east west bookstore and she decides to go and then she keeps going and then um after a few months he seduces her which she does at first she's very very upset and she you know, decide she's done with him. But then she goes back because, as you said, you know, she's been abandoned by her boyfriend. It's kind of like, oh, what the hell? Let me have a little sort of frolic. But that frolic turns into something, turns into an obsession. Um, All right. An obsession on, obsession on her part. Yeah. So now what... What was it that had her starting to write? Because you say she starts writing in a journal and writing letters. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of what the story is doing is a bit of looking back and going through the letters, discussing those while moving forward, trying to get past everything. Right. What what got her to start writing in a journal? Is she a journaler type of person or is it something she just comes on to and starts doing? Well, she's taken one or two classes in creative writing. And, um, you know, I don't know if other people journal when they're upset. I will say this. I work as an adult literacy teacher. And when I right. ask my students about their writing, 
So many of them say that they write their troubles as journals or poems. I have students say like, and then I throw it under the bed. I write it and then I throw it under the bed. So, um, you know, it's really meant to express what do you do when you don't have anyone really to talk to, you know, mm -hmm. you talk to your journal. Um, and the letters are really, um, most of them aren't sent. These are just, you know, how you talk to somebody in your head, especially right. if you're upset with them or you want something from them. So the letters are about that. They're about, you know, um, talking to somebody in your head. Um, All right. So they're basically the, um, there are a bunch of unsaid letters, her venting out what she would like to say to them. But in the same, it's her telling her story through her writing. Yeah. Which, okay. Well, yeah. what is it, I guess, what is it that about Ellie that actually draws people into rooting for her? Because at at this one point I'm hearing it, and this could be just because of my perspective, but she sounds like, one, if she's obsessed and she keeps choosing making bad choices, I don't see the attraction Mm -hmm. But to go through a journey, this and that, there has to be some attraction. And I have to imagine there's something about her that draws people in. Right. Well, you know, first of all, she was in a way tricked into this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she really it was not in her mind at all. And um, so. In that sense, she's she really is sort of being exploited, um, and she is really very sincere person. She's really trying to put together these, you know, Buddhist ideas that she was first attracted to with her experience. She's trying to transcend. She's trying to really become a person who can transcend these things about herself. So she's um, she's a seeker, you know, she's a searcher. So if, and she's also, um, she's very honest about her emotions and what she's going through. She's not a person who hurts or manipulates anybody else. She sort of takes it all on herself. She takes responsibility I would say that's maybe a very important um, aspect that maybe hasn't come through from our conversation is that right. she really is taking responsibility for her unhappiness. She's taking it as her problem. She's not blaming other people. She's just genuinely searching for answers. All right. And to me, that's a huge quality in a person. And if she's doing that, I can see the attraction of trying to build yourself back up and not blaming, oh, he did this, he did that. It's, I let this happen or right. this happened because of this action I took. Right. So to me, I understand that and I admire those type of characters and even people in real life that are that way. Right. So what is it that, I guess, made you decide to write this and publish it? Well, um, I'm telling this story about a time in my life that was 
very extreme. And um, I guess I would say two things about that. One thing is that, you know, uh, this was a time when I was extremely depressed. You know, I couldn't sleep. Uh, I couldn't make decisions. I could barely hold down my part-time job. And um, depression is a very strange thing because people look at you and they say, you're not a war refugee. You're, you know, you have a middle-class life, you're educated, you have a job, you have a place to live. And it's very, it's almost impossible to explain why you are in this place of extreme desperation. So I wanted to write about that because um, I think it was a very lonely experience. I think that many of us write out of loneliness. You know, uh, something has happened to us that has been hard to explain. Uh, when you write a book about it, you have the time to sit and really think about, okay, why did this happen? And, you know, how could I explain it? So, so to a certain extent, you want to explain it to yourself. But then you also, one of my writing teachers said, you know, you're not just telling a story, you're giving your reader an experience. So the challenge was to write about this so that other people would, you know, really get a taste of that experience. All right. Um, the other reason I wrote it is that, you know, I really do think that spirituality is an important part of life that, that humans really want and need that in their lives. And, um, you know, with the crowd that I usually run with, which is, you know, white middle-class liberals, you know, religion is kind of, you know, looked down on quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I actually feel like um, I really got something from Buddhism that really was an important answer for me about my place in the world, who I was, the point of life, uh, if you will. And I wanted to express that. So those are two of the reasons why I wrote the book. All right. So what, you said you've written other stuff, but you've never actually put it out into the world. What well, was it about this book that got you to say, okay, I need to put this out yeah. compared to your other stories? Well, I'm going to turn that question around a little bit and say that um, when I started, you know, a book is a very big project to take. Right. Say it took me about 10 years to get okay. the book done. And uh, so you have to choose something to write about that you're not going to get tired of. Mm -hmm. And this experience was so strange for me. You know, it's a little bit like being in a cult. You know, people look at folks who've been in a cult and say, how did that happen? Why did they do that? You know, it seems so self-destructive. Um, so there's something truly strange about it. And so I knew that it would hold my interest to stay with it all of that time. All right. So, and then, so with that being said, you wrote this book, you put it out, what kind of feedback other than the reviews on Amazon have you been getting from, because it hasn't been too long, but I imagine you've heard some other things said about it. Right. Well, 
That's a good question. Mostly it's been my friends who've read it. And of course, you always think like, well, they're my friend. They have to tell me they like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I have a great review of the book on a blog called the Buddhist Fiction Blog that a woman named Kimberly Beek wrote for me. And I feel like she really understood the elements of Buddhism in the story. Um, but I think the feedback I've gotten from my friends um, has been really, uh, really satisfying because, you know, they've told me, you know, we can all relate to this. We've all been through something like what Ellie has been through. Um, and that's, that's really heartwarming for me because, you know, I wanted to, of course, you want to write a story that other people can see themselves in that speaks for them and speaks to them. Uh, so that's, I've gotten very good feedback so far. Um, you know, I will also say that I am very much a literary writer. Um, you know, I want to write beautiful sentences and I, um, I really want to create a mood. Um, so I think that's, if any reader who likes that kind of very literary book, I would say this book, if you liked um, a book called Hot Milk by Deborah Levy, I believe he's kind of well-known. If you like, uh, I liked Ann Patchett. That sort of inspired me a bit too. Uh, she wrote a book called um, Escaping Me Right Now. Um, <laughs> I understand. State of Wonder. She wrote a book called State of Wonder. Um, so uh, these are books by women about being away and sort of having some growth curve, you know, some emotional and mental growth, psychological growth curve. Um, so that's in terms of if someone's wondering, hmm, would I like this book? Would I want to read it? I think that those are some um, some books they could refer to to think about whether they would want to read this book. All right. Well, that sounds good. So let's do this. I don't want to take up your entire day. Okay. And I'm going to ask one last question before I let you go. Can you tell me who do you really think would enjoy your book best? Because I know, obviously, as the type of person I am, I'm not your target audience, obviously. <laughs> but who do you think would find the real interest in your book? So this is very much a book for women. Right. You know, it's um, it's about an experience that a lot of women have, especially women of my age. As I said, it's a Me Too book. And so many women my age have been through something like this. Uh, so I think uh, but I think younger women, too, can really relate to it because in a sense, it is a coming of age story, even though it's she's in her 20s. It really is a coming of age story. Uh, sort of learning. It's about really learning how to own yourself. Um, so, and I also think anyone who's interested in Buddhism and anyone who really likes literary writing, because it's very, it's a very literary book. Well, it sounds perfect. So just as anybody that's listened to the show or anybody that's new to the show would, would be able to know is I have a profile set up for you on authorblurb.com. Okay, There's also a link to your profile in the show notes along with your website. 
where do you prefer people to go find you if they don't want to go to author blurb for all the links that you've given me? Where do you suggest for them to go to, to reach out to you, find more about you? What's the have you? Yeah, my website, katebrandt.net, would be the best place for that. Yeah. I'm also on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. All right, perfect. And I have all those links for your social media in your profile along with links to your books as well. So, Kate, I appreciate you being here. It's been fun talking with you. I'm going to have you hold on for just a second, but this is going to be the end for everybody else. So thank you for making it this far. Remember, you can go to authorblurb.com where there's plenty of stuff there for you to find. Enjoy another author. Enjoy finding that book that you love. So take the time. Do me a favor, share, subscribe, enjoy the show, and tell others. Thank you.